This is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, former TNA X Division champion and former TNA World Tag Team champion, and you are listening to the TNA Cross the Line podcast. Enjoy. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. back with episode 200 of the tna cross the line podcast i am bob Collins jr with me as always is dallas gridley and dallas we are coming out of genesis where no there was not a title change for the world title because the world title wasn't on the line but there's a six-man tag where rhino and team 3d I'm remembering correctly, which, hang on one minute. You are, you are I correct. am. They defeated AMW and the NWA World Champion, Jeff Jarrett. Of course, AMW is the tag team champions. But probably the biggest news coming out of that show, at least for us, is that... Let me see if I can do this right. That's Captain Charisma. Yeah, slap in the chest. Where's all, where's all my peeps, baby? What? Where? Where are my peeps? He made his official debut. And by golly, he almost got it. He was like, I'm going to join Team Canada. <laughs> Plot twist. Nah, he didn't do that. I, uh, I was almost fooled, Bab. I almost. <laughs> it was really, I mean, it was pretty convincing for a second there. Because he had the shirt on and everything. I would argue that if Team Canada was not this far into their run and they were a little bit hotter, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, it was, it's a pretty weak... Uh... I think at this point we're past like Team Canada being like, oh shit, Team Canada. Yeah. And the thing They're still good guys, like, but... Uh, well, and I think what kind of hurts it too, if you really kind of think about it, is... Team Canada is associated with Jeff Jarrett and AMW, and Jeff Jarrett has been constantly saying that these people are going to be coming in to take our jobs. Right. So would you really want to be welcoming no. a Catholic Christian cage? No, and um, I think that's actually a really important thing that you're pointing out because you look at Team 3D, you look at Christian now, uh, none of these guys have. They've all been against them. So really, right. who's the baby face here? It kind of seems like it's Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, it seems like he kind of knows what he's talking about. Um, it is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, well, of course. Um, I'm not going to go through every single match because uh, Dallas tends to do that. Uh, look at the star ratings and stuff like that. But another thing that I wanted to point out here in the opening was that Christopher Daniels seemingly was written off television following a brutal attack by Samoa Joe. And now, just to prove how insane maybe Samoa Joe is, they had won the match, the elimination match. But Samoa Joe didn't get the pin, so he got pissed and proceeded to just destroy Christopher Daniels. He had a white towel around his neck that had Daniels' blood stained mm -hmm. on it. So if I 
as a TNA viewer, seeing this, I am anticipating that Daniels will not be on uh, TV, I would assume, for the remainder of the year. Um, and I didn't know this before I'm about to say this, but I figured if we don't see him on TNA, is he going to be like in Ring of Honor, in Pro Wrestling mm. Gorilla, whatever? And you'll be surprised to know that he does still, in fact, appear in Ring of Honor and Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Interesting. So, uh, and I want to point that out because I'm the type of guy, type of wrestling fan, that when I'm watching, and this really applies for the Indies too, I guess, primarily for the Indies, what I'm about to say. Uh, yeah, I can have um, TNA in its own, own universe in Ring of Honor in its own universe. I don't I don't try to tie it in together. Right. I think that's fair. Maybe, maybe I'm a weird wrestling fan, but well, uh, it's... in this era, especially like I, you know, if um like Austin Aries, right? He's in or Roderick Strong, you know, they're kind of here in TNA and doing a little bit of exhibition stuff. But then their main event guys in Ring of Honor Right. Uh, as I when I watch him in a TNA universe, I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Well, Roddy, Roddy Strong should be the world champion because we're doing blah, 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 blah. now he should just based off ability." But in the universe that is TNA, he's at like the starting point. Meanwhile, in the Ring of Honor universe, yeah, he's like a consistent world champion level guy. So I don't know, maybe I'm just maybe I'm no. Not. I think I think it's easier to do in past tense here. Um, the only thing that's a little weird is then when they start mentioning others. Like if you if you were like watching and they're like, "Hey, these guys wrestled Ring of Honor," and you're like, "Oh, what's that? I'm gonna go figure out how I can watch it and find find it." And then you do, and you're like, "Wow, these guys are like the top guys." Well, so could get I learned. Weird. I learned about Ring of Honor through Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Steve Carino, and I knew of him as like the ECW World Champion. Yeah, main event guy or whatever. And I right. saw him in Ring of Honor and he was feuding with Homicide. And that's when I saw a no rope barbed wire match uh, that they had, which I thought was incredible. Um, but watching that show, War of the Wire, in that Ring of Honor universe, you know, I know Samoa Joe. I was like, okay, this guy's the top guy, he's a champion. Right. AJ Styles was there, and I knew him from TNA, but I still knew him as, you know, main event guy. And ironically, he was a main event guy in, in Ring of Honor. But um, I I would say even in that at that time as a fan, and I want to uh, okay, like a guy like Jay Lethal, I like I remember. You know, when he eventually is a regular performer in TNA and Ring of Honor. I knew in Ring of Honor the level that he was at, and that was expectation in the Ring of Honor universe. Whenever he comes in here in TNA, and I couldn't tell you when he becomes a regular. So when that happens, I'll be like, okay, surprise, here we are. Right. <laughs> uh, but when that when he comes into TNA, 
like I just used with Roddy and Austin Aries. I'm not thinking, oh, hey, this guy, this guy can beat Loki. So he's going to be, you know, or hey, he beat Samoa Joe that one time. And no, in the TNA universe, I'm like, he's going to get fucking murdered by Samoa Joe. Right. That's fair. Even as, even that, even watching back then, like I just, I knew in the universe in which I'm watching and that Austin Aries, who defeated uh, Samoa Joe, Final Battle of Four for the Ring of Marteau is not likely going to do that in TNA. But if I were to buy a Ring of Honor DVD, like let's say the same week, and it happens to be Austin Aries and Modo, I'm like, oh my god, Aries has a shot. Right. He's Ring of Honor. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it's fair. I, I don't I don't think a lot of people are like that. Now, to kind of maybe bring this full circle here. So Christian Cage. Right in the WWE universe, mm-hmm. mid Carter. Great. Now, TNA universe. Well, he's gonna be world champion. I mean, he already he's already going for it. He says that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm gonna take that off Jerry, and it's like, damn, I believe him. Right. But if you go to the WWE universe, I'm gonna beat you, Batista. I don't think so, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. John Cena? Yep. I, I don't know. Yep. I don't think you can do that. Jeff Jarrett? Okay. I believe that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You want to beat Monty Brown? All right. No, why not? Now, obviously, the comp- in the the view of the uh, viewer, the competition level is probably drastically different. Right. Right. The way people are presented, but you get the general idea of what I'm trying to get at. Right. It's different universe. If he, if he were to go back to WWE tomorrow, after this debut, I'd be like, All right, he'll be like U.S. champion or something. I don't know. U.S. champion, you know, in that yeah, in that uh, right. right level, in that universe. Well, um, in our universe here in TNA, we just had a uh, pretty decent pay per view. I'd say again, I feel like not many of these have fallen uh, too flat. Um, I do believe that me and Bob both give a thumbs up if I'm remembering correctly. I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. So, let's start breaking this show down. Bob, what do you think the readers of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter gave Genesis 2005 a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs in the middle? Uh, I'm going to say they went thumbs up. Yes, that's correct. 92.2% gave it a thumbs up. That would be 107 people if you're curious. Only five people, or 4.3%, gave it a thumbs down. And four people, 3.4%, gave it in the middle. You so know, I really, I really wonder what fan, like when there is such a drastic difference in numbers. Like if it was, you know, 40 thumbs up, 26 down, and 11 in the middle, whatever. Right. But when it's literally a handful of people in this voting that are saying no or bad, I really want to know what each individual person, what the reasoning is, what to me, makes it. To me, that's got to be like a, well, Jeff Hardy didn't beat Monty Brown, so this is a bad joke. It's that's like, gotta, that, that's, that's my guy. So, or there was no title, ma- no world title match. So automatically not a good show to me. I feel like Christian it's Cage be... isn't isn't a heel. I don't like it. Bad. 
Right. So I feel like the, when it's this big of a difference, I feel like it's got to be a couple people like that. If you were one of the p- five people who voted the thumbs down back in 2005, shoot us a DM and let us know why. But, you know, the, that, that sounds like something that a non-internet wrestling fan would do. Well, that's that's the thing that's like weird about it, right? I don't know. Like, I don't think a non-internet fan obviously is subscribed to the Observer. Well, that's like the weird part. Maybe they just truly didn't enjoy it. Although, once again, when it's this big of a difference, I mean, it seems that most people have a similar taste, right? It's not like you could argue. No. I mean, uh, you and I don't always have the same taste in wrestling, and um, that doesn't mean we don't agree that a show is good or bad, you know? Right. But so, but when it's this drastic, like that's not the issue. It's not taste. It, I feel like it's got to be spite. There's got to be something. Yeah. Like, I've never heard someone say WrestleMania 17 is a bad show. But. I bet you there's a couple people who in the observer who said there was. I guarantee. Yeah, I I would be shocked if it was 100 percent or 100 percent. Yes. So like, if I met someone that was like and I was like, hey, you like WrestleMania 17? They know. Yeah, bad show. I guarantee you the. If someone were to say that, they'd say it's because Stone Cold turned heel. Right. It's got to be something like that, right? It's That's what it would be. One thing on the show that just ruins it for him completely. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I would say, well, what about the whole show? Well, the whole show was good, but like, I did not like that. So it like, ruined the whole yeah, show. Yeah. I, I, I've heard people. That's kind of like the opposite. For Sometimes on this podcast, it's been like, well, that match was really good, Bob. So I liked it. And you're like, but the whole show. And right, like, and then you'll be like, well, oh, I don't want to say it. Yeah, but they get I it. It's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Some of those so, weeklies where we're sitting here for two hours, and you're like, but Bob, I liked, I really liked the last 12 minutes. And I was like, well, what about know. the first hour 48? And you'd be like, well, that sucked. And I'm like, okay, so was that 12 minutes worth it or what? Some, sometimes I wonder, Bob, and I guess we should, we should mention quick before we keep going. 200 freaking episodes, dude. I don't know yeah. how we made it through all those two-hour weekly shows sometimes. I think about it often. Because <laughs> uh, some of those were yeah. really not good. Like, really, really not good. Um, but uh, we've come a long way. So it's been uh, it's been very fun. So Yeah, some of those were a battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, the best match at Genesis. What do you think got voted on as the best? I know we did not break down the entire card, but I'm sure it is in front of you. And we will break it down momentarily. Uh, it's got to be that eight-man tag team elimination match. It sure was. 64 people voted that as their best match. In second place, it was the main event, Team 3D and Rhino versus Jarrett and AMW. That was 33 people voted that. And then finally, AJ Styles. It was. Um, AJ Styles versus Petey Williams, 29 votes, got third place best match. So it was, I mean... Huh. There was a decent gap between the Survival uh, Eliminator X and the main event, but the other two were pretty close. Yeah. Now, as far as the worst match on the show. Raven and PJ. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was Raven weird. and PJ Polacco who made his return. Uh, that was 65 people voted that as their uh, worst match. Second place was Jeff Hardy and Monty Brown with 24 votes. And finally, Three Life Crew and Team Canada with 12 votes. Which I thought it was like fine. 
So basically the first half of the show. Uh, Which is interesting because if you guys listen, if you did not listen to us cover Genesis, first off, it was a good time. Check it out in the archive. But after those three matches, dude, I, we started flying. Our first yeah. two. And that, you know, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I guess it was literally yeah. those three matches. But um, regardless. I just, I just really want to point out that PJ Polacco. Who's also known as he's not just the coolest and he's not just the best. He's just incredible. Right. Looked horrible. Yeah. Not good. No, he didn't. Uh and this is being honest. I mean, when he and we had mentioned during the show, uh, the Genesis Genesis show, when he was here in two thousand three with Jerry Lynn, subst- he looked substantially better. And I thought so was it was just a better better use of his appearance i don't know because well we're gonna i think we don't have to break it down but i think yeah i think for him physically yeah he didn't look like just incredible no he was very thin yeah and i don't want so i don't want to speculate anything but Uh, i'm sure he's been i feel like he's been very open and honest about i'm pretty sure kind of issues that he's had um but his, yeah, he was not looking like the star that he was in ECW. Right. I think that's fair to say. Um, okay, let's uh, get into this. There's a couple notes first that Dave writes, and then we will start getting really into the shows. Now, this is from the November 21st, 2005 Wrestling Observer. Um, and, of course, as we saw in the beginning of the show, which we're going to talk quite a bit about during this situation Eddie Guerrero just passed away the day the show happened. So he starts out with the specter of uh, Guerrero death looming large over everyone. TNA had its Genesis pay-per-view on November 13th in Orlando. Now, from all accounts, it was a surreal day with lots of depression and many tears before the show. Conan, who knew Guerrero the best and the longest out of anyone in the TNA crew, was even told by Dixie Carter that he could go home and didn't have to wrestle. He responded something to the effect of, yes, I do, I have to. So he was determined to go out there and perform still. Uh, the packed crowd of about 900 fans. So that's a pretty high number there for the impact zone. Um, itself was su- in, was somewhat in a funk uh, for a lot of the show, Dave says. Uh, there were many signs and chants of Eddie. Uh, aside from the main event, which I thought was a tremendous brawl and very much underrated because it was the only match that was able to, even for a few minutes, seem uh, able to make the crowd forget and escape the reality. Even as big as a reaction for the debut of Christian, who delivered a promo that everyone was raving about. Uh, Dave says, I got the sense that after the initial pop of the crowd, the crowd was really into it, but it didn't uh, get the response it would have gotten any other night. Uh, my presumption is the death of Guerrero will have a negative effect on the business, uh, the business of the show, because people who did know about it that he have sitting there for three hours watching a pay-per-view show from another company would almost be almost impossible to care about, uh, which is an interesting thought. But to be fair, uh, so Christian, he's here. We mentioned it already. It's very exciting. Uh, he is now using the ring name Christian Cage which is his original wrestling name. Um, And, of course, he was the star of the show. Uh, As expected, the TV show the night before made no mention or even left any kind of hint that there would even be a surprise, although it was pushed on the website that the biggest jump in the history of TNA would debut on the show. 
Now, Christian, as late as the day before the show, was denying that it was him. Uh, he really uh, integrated himself to the locker room by doing a promo saying that eight years ago there was a stale, gigantic company with no direction, and he was with the Young Hungry Company. And seven years later, the company that is now the stale company with no direction. So is that company. He's talking about WWE, of course. Right. Uh, he specifically said he was very uh, fair. There was a very fair money offer from WWE um, and that he was not lowballed. But he came to TNA because he loves wrestling, just like everyone watching does. Even not WWE programming, uh, specifying the guy who goes out there and says the same thing every week in reference to Triple H and the show where the guy dresses up as Dr. Heine, Vince McMahon. Uh, he said he was tired of dealing with egos and politics um, he made fun of Jarrett's fashion sense, saying that he shouldn't wear white after Labor Day. Uh, and he said he wanted the NWA title. Uh, Scott Demore and Bobby Roode came out during this promo. Um, and the segment ended with a tease that he might join Team Canada. We talked about that briefly. It concluded with the almost predictable swerve, where he uh, had a Team Canada shirt on, teasing being a heel, then gave Scott Demore the unprettier and helped the faces clean house. Show ended with Christian joining Team 3D and doing a triple Team 3D on Jarrett through a table. Backsca backstage, he was telling people that he was so happy to be there and that he would do everything in his power to convince any other wrestlers who he's friends with, and the name Chris Jericho came up in uh, specifics, to come in. So, apparently there is quite the uh, high uh, feeling here about Christian being there. Yeah, I mean, I... It's funny that he says Jericho. Because in hindsight, when you really look at it, you know, Jericho joins up with AEW or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but like, Jericho likes to say, like, oh, nobody thought I would come here. Or whatever. And I feel like I wasn't surprised when he was in AEW. I think at this point, yeah. Now, I. No, I'm I was saying even because he was doing New Japan, wasn't he? Right, so he was already kind of. I think so. Like that, this this later years Jericho here, it makes more sense. It, since we're talking about, I have a Jericho interview, and I was going to talk about it. I think during the show, but you know what? We're talking about it. Let's just say it right now. We'll interject in our uh, Genesis stuff because I think it's a really interesting um, things he says here. <laughs> believe it or not. Um. So he did an interview on Between the Ropes Radio. Uh, which seems to have a lot of great guests, by the way. I've never listened, but it seems like there's always people on it. Yeah. Um, he said that the TNA thing, now remember we heard the reference that he posted a picture on his website or something. So he said the yeah. TNA thing was just done to shake up the internet and have fun. He said he did email Vince McMahon before he did it, but ended up uh, that he ended up getting phone calls from Jeff Jarrett, Scott Demore, and John Laurinaitis about what was going on. He said he never heard back from Vince, but Laurinaitis did write him back saying, great rib. Um, and he said that he was glad that Christian left for TNA. Um, and then he said, I'm going to TNA. He said, never say never, but that McMahon was the best boss he ever worked for. And he feels a loyalty to him. See, this is why yeah. it's interesting what we're talking about here. Right. Uh, yeah. but not to anyone else in WWE. So he doesn't have a loyalty to anyone else besides Vince. he says. He also said that he doesn't think he necessarily owes Vince anything, but would give him a courtesy call if he was. Uh, thinking of going elsewhere. Uh, 
he says, but he said he loves watching TNA, that Samoa Joe was his favorite wrestler to watch, that AJ Styles is awesome in the ring, and would advise both to not go to WWE and to stay with TNA to help grow the company. And he says, quote, to be honest with you, a dirty little secret, and Vince will be angry to hear this, I actually watch TNA probably a little bit more than WWE now. Huh. I thought it was a very interesting interview. Um, of course, as we know, he does not go to TNA. The closest yeah, we ever. get is when they use a Fozzie theme song for a pay-per-view in the future. Um, which I think was kind of, I mean, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not long after this. So it's not like, Yeah, no, I think I'm it's, sure it kind of feels, fuels the rumors a little bit, right? Sure. Uh, the Never Seen Everything, that's such a rustler line. I know, you, you know. know. Um, but that being all said, in hindsight here, I do believe he has said in ever after he joined AEW that he did talk to Vince about it. So he's, I mean, he said the same thing. He buried back in 2005. Sure. If he was gonna, so, you know, pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a bummer because, you know, just the potential matches that he could have had. I know. In it's TNA, crazy. you know, arguably in his prime, you know. 2005 Chris Jericho. I mean, I, it's insane to me to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think if, I think if our timeline was shifted slightly, I feel like if we are a little bit, maybe a year, potentially two years, a little bit more, I think there would have been more of a chance because of who else. Sure. But so when he, cause he goes back to WWE in December of 07. That's longer than I thought it was. Yeah, because he comes back at like, or his pay-per-view match with Orton at Armageddon in 07. And there's like the whole like, you know, the guy's got the fire for like the Olympics. Yeah, the torch. Yeah. The torch, yeah. And he clotheslines him or whatever. So that was like, uh, I think that was December of 07. So, and that's not, I know people don't like to have spoilers or whatever, but TNA at the end of 07 mm-hmm. has a lot of names. Yeah. Like that's what I mean. That come in. So I feel like if we were shifted slightly where he would have just left at that kind of time, I think it would have been more possible. Yeah. He would have I mean, been, probably doesn't help. He would've been getting that itch again, you know? Yeah, it doesn't help the, the the TNA cause that, unlike some of the bigger names that they do end up getting, Jericho has WWE as an option, while the other guys who are in their prime kind of burned that bridge for 15 that's, years. That's a really good point. <laughs> oh. That's the other thing. He didn't have to do it. Right. Yeah, He as soon as he's ready to come back, WWE's like, oh, great, we have a... We have a plan for you. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Um, getting back to Genesis, though. Um, Dave says that he I don't believe the circumstances allow a great show to be possible. So he's saying because of everything with Guerrero and stuff, he does not think that this show could be great. Uh, but given the circumstances, it was a very strong second half of the show. He says, I really worry about AJ Styles because he took a German suplex from Petey Williams from the apron and landed his back hitting the guardrail. Um, he was going to have a very good match under any circumstances and doesn't need to put his body at that kind of risk, uh, considering the risk that he already puts it through with the spectacular dives. 
Now, he says, that wasn't as risky as what Jeff Hardy or Elite Skipper have tried. Um, I'd never defend those moves, but at least those moves, in hindsight, will be remembered for a long time. This was a spot that was just early, an early heat spot in the match that nobody will remember by the end of the week. That's a, that's a lie. I will remember that spot. Um, now that I saw it, I will. That's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, dude. Okay, what, what do you think is was more dangerous? The German suplex into the railing or Skipper's cage walk? The, uh, I want to say the cage walk because the if he fell, he could have he could have I mean seriously he could have died. I'm saying the fucking German suplex. That but shit the was a, is a missile. Yeah, he got correct. a missile and his back is to it. He ain't seeing where he's going. Uh, well, Skipper's walking. Skipper's walking. He and he if he falls, he can brace himself. Whatever. I agree. Maybe. With that. I, and that's why I almost said the German. I think it's the German. Cause like you're going, you're, you're trusting PD and you're trusting yeah. the elements that like, Oh, I'm not going to break my neck. I'm not going to die right now. Yeah. Like I'll survive this, but I can't see where I'm going. Like, right. That's fine. Yeah, that was a missile. And anybody who has seen that spot, I don't think you can forget that. Yeah. If you've seen it, I mean, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Because I mean, they, However, they've, te- they've teased it before and haven't done it. Well, that's the best part about it. And then this time they do it. And you're like, oh, fuck. But the, sh- the thing that's disappointing about it, and I think where he's kind of getting, is it wasn't like a spectacular move, right? You see the Jeff Hardy dives and the Elix Saper walk to this day in highlight packages. So like, yo, that ha- you don't see this spot. I or mean, else we'd I, all, but we dumb. all would have been talking about it. I think that's dumb. I think that they should have been. They probably were like, that was way too dangerous. We can't keep showing that. That's entirely possible. Could have been. It's not, I guess it's like not a, like a flashy thing. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like the cage walk and the swan pond off the stage, whatever. Those are flashy. Those are like, then, oh, but this missile of a German is like, oh, yeah. It's like, geez. it makes you cringe. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, we, unfortunately, Bob, for the first time in, like, it feels like four shows, did not watch the pre-show. Um, but there were two matches that happened, and we did talk about them. However, we have a little bit more in-depth here, including star ratings. So, first up, we saw Shark Boy pinning Nigel McGinnis in 5 minutes, 30 seconds. He says it was mainly McGinnis playing foil for some Shark Boy comedy. Shark Boy won with a small package. He says, okay, one star. Um, also... Okay. It literally, he just goes, it says, one with a small package, period. Okay, period. <laughs> uh, there's also a backstage segment, and this is actually super interesting and almost kind of gives away what's the Christian Cage situation. So Team Canada was backstage talking about the surprise. Scott Demore teased rumors and made it made it out like the surprise would join Team Canada. Uh, the key point was Demore would not be managing Team Canada in either of their matches because he was trying to work on the deal. So I think that's really interesting, and we didn't probably realize that, that he didn't manage them, but he did not. Um, Also, we saw, well, we didn't see it, but Simon Diamond and Elix Skipper and David Young, Diamonds in the Rough, defeated the Naturals and Lance Hoyt in 5 minutes, 48 seconds. Chase Stevens' reward for coming back in just three weeks from a broken neck was a match where they worked the neck and then was pinned after Skipper by Skipper after he and Young gave him a double-team pancake. 
Douglas did a dive on the skipper in Young and Hoyt, followed by a plancha. Hoyt missed a few spots. One and a half stars. I forgot about the neck thing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. You came back from a broken neck in a few weeks. You want to wrestle in the pre-show and lose? Yeah, and cool. lose, yeah. And I wonder if they even, like, mentioned it. I know. I, know. I, bet, I, I bet you that they wouldn't. I I feel the opposite. I feel like Tanae. Tanae, that's the only. That's why I hesitated. It was like Tanae. I, I feel, feel like, like Tanae would. Or they would mention that he had some kind of neck injury. Be vague about it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So to the main show, it opened up with a graphic on Guerrero uh, about his his death and loud chance for him. Then we saw, of course, Raven pin PJ Polanco, the formal just incredible, in five minutes fifty nine seconds. This was the first in a series of matches where Larry Zabisco brings people in to get at Raven. Uh, Dave says it's weird because Raven just turned heel, but is already uh, the way this program is working, being positioned back as a babyface who was Whoa. wrongfully never gotten his deserved rematch for the title. When did Raven turn heel? He was heel. I think it was right after he lost the title because he started like attacking people backstage, like innocent security guys and stuff like that yeah no way i did not know i'm not mm-hmm. taking that as a heel thing that's I... him going after sabisco who mm-hmm. fucked him over no way. i know i know no um, i feel like it... i feel like we've talked about this too before we probably have there's probably no have. way that he's a heel no well, way don't worry because he's being positioned obviously as a baby face who never got his title is he because fucking melts thinks he's a heel is Sabisco the good guy in all this? There's no way. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, uh, this is an interesting note, though, and I think it's kind of funny because we were making comments about this whole situation. Uh, he says, it's clear that Raven has been watching MMA as he and Polaco <laughs> opened with a Greco-Roman clinch stalemate. Oh, shit. Uh, and he later, <laughs> he later maneuvered Polaco into a guillotine choke. Um, and then talks about him using the ankle lock, which, of course, he's been using. Um, he says that the crowd wasn't into it. Uh, both from being in a funk and the match uh, wasn't much. After delivering a low blow, Polanco pulled out a kendo stick. Cassidy Riley, who is, of course, uh, Raven's little uh, friend there, stopped Polanco from getting to Raven. Polanco used a uh, swinging DDT, or at least something approximating that, for a near fall. (laughs) (laughs) Raven came back with the DDT, of course, the Raven effect, uh, for the pin. Half a star, he gives it. That's generous. That's fucking funny. Well, clearly Raven's been watching MMA because I did a record moment fucking thing. That part got me, dude. That part got me. That's so. That is so dumb. I know. What a. Uh, He's saying. He's saying both of them have been watching MMA. I mean, I guess technically. Yeah, Um, that's so. Next up, three live crew Conan, BG James, and Ron Killings defeated Team Canada's A1, Eric Young, and Bobby Roode in 10 minutes, 21 seconds. BG James in a pre match promo said, The captain up north, in reference to Captain Charisma, is ready to abandon ship. Um, Conan did a tribute to Guerrero before the match, and the crowd was uh, once again chanting for him. The stip in this match was that there were hockey sticks on um, all the poles, all six corners. Kip James was the referee, of course, and he says, where these way too small biker shorts. So he, he, and then he kind of goes into the fact that his um, 
fashion choice was not great in this match, even though we, as we noted, it was like the Shawn Michaels referee outfit. It is. Yeah, pretty close um, to that, yeah. The stick really didn't come into play until the last 20 seconds of the match. Conan and James put a hockey stick on Young's groin and spread his legs. Killings came off the top rope with a leg drop onto Young's groin for the pin. Uh, post-match saw Kip James raise BG in Killings' arms as, and they teased Conan, still didn't like him. Finally, Conan touched knuckles with Kip James. Loud Eddie chance here. Uh, one and a half stars. Uh, next up was the Christian promo. We already talked about it. He talked for several minutes. Demore came out. Um, he said that Christian Cage was, of course, the name that he used when he started. He loved the business, and he called himself Captain Charisma. So that's all there is to that. We already talked about the whole promo. Uh, Monty Brown pinned Jeff Hardy in 8 minutes, 51 seconds. Dave says this was bad. It was sloppy as hell, and Hardy really looked out of it. Brown didn't do well either. Uh, there were definite question marks here regarding Brown's ability to be the main or one of the top single stars after this match. Um, he, so Hardy used a twist of, uh, twist of fate, uh, but missed the swanton. Brown then used the pounce for the pin. He gave this match a dud, which... It's kind of funny because I told you I didn't mind the match when we watched it. I was yeah, like, I don't know about it. I don't know about it, Dud. I feel like that's a little uh, a little harsh to me. Yeah, Dud. I don't know about that. Um, I think Jeff Hardy is is a bit checked out. I agree with, with that uh, with TNA, and I think he's probably especially checked out because now that Christian Cage is here. Oh yeah. Rhino came in, you know, he's not that shiny new toy anymore. Correct. Correct. You know, they were going to even use Nash in the main event thing at Pound for Glory or whatever. Right. Um and it it cut it's very similar to what I've been you know reviewing for wrestlingrecaps.com is the 2002 Raw and Smackdowns and he was on Raw and I, you know, in July of that year, he had a ladder match with Undertaker. That even like casual wrestling friends that I've had and that I worked with, they you know, they find out I'm a wrestling fan, and they'll be like, "That Jeff Hardy Taker ladder match is like my favorite match." And I haven't watched wrestling in like 15 years. I'm like, "What the? What? You remember that?" But like, not you know. And you know, so that's July, probably by. October, November, Jeff is just checked out, and you can tell he just does not care. He doesn't want to be there. I don't know if it's to the extreme that it was in 2002, but I think that Hardy is like he's done. The way he comes across on TV is like I just don't. He just wants to check. Yeah, and I and I'm wondering if for him. In either instance, whether it's 2002 or here in 2005, if he doesn't feel, feel creatively fulfilled, does he just not care? That's an interesting to point, yeah. Does, does it translate like that on, on TV? Because I'll tell you, he went in July, he was working with Undertaker, all these guys, that by November, or in this, from what I was watching, December, you go from Taker in July to, and this is no offense to, who am I going to say, D'Lo Brown. In December. Right. You know, I mean. Very interesting. This is something to ponder. Maybe we'll get Jeff Hardy here on the TNA Crossline podcast someday. Hey, you never know. That'd be kind of cool. 
Never going to happen, but it's okay. No, sorry, Lance. Don't get too excited. Yeah, hey, whoa. I don't want to disappoint you. You know what, Lance? If we ever, if we got Jeff Hardy on this podcast, on a Skype call, we would have Lance in the audience for the interview. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be able to contain himself. Well, he'd have to be muted, but we could have his camera on. That way that he, that Jeff Hardy could see Lance probably hyperventilating. Yeah, that'd be fun. I don't know if his fandom goes that deep where he would hyperventilate. But. You never know. He'll let us know. He'll let us know. He'll tweet us. Yeah, he will. Um, he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll DM us on Twitter. He's like, first off, when is it going to be uploaded on YouTube? And then secondly, uh-huh. secondly, this is what would happen with the Jeff Hardy. That's what he does. I got, can I just say real quick, guys, if you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, YouTube freaking sucks uploading the videos. I'm just saying. I just I just tried to upload one last night. And it was still at 18% after I got home from work today. That's over t- over like 16 hours later. And I, I don't know what's happening. So I'm trying. How the fuck? It takes I'm that trying. Long. No, it shouldn't. I'm trying. Okay, guys? I'm trying. It's very difficult. Man. I'm trying. I would have anyway, gave up on that months ago. I like having them on YouTube, too. So I'm trying to help our friends. Out. I mean, I get it. I get it. Um, after that Monty Brown Jeff Hardy match, Christopher Daniels did a promo with Alex Shelley and Roderick Strong, but not Samoa Joe, saying that he had talked to Joe and Joe agreed that since he has 13 years experience, that he's the captain of the team. So Daniels uh, had taken his place as captain. Now we saw Daniels, Strong, Shelley, and Joe win the Elimination X match, an elimination style bow over Dutt, Matt Bentley, Austin Aries, and Chris Sabin in 23 minutes, 15 seconds. Very good match, bordering on great. Saban and Shelley were the standouts for in-ring, even though the story was Joe and Daniels as a team and then breaking up. Um, Daniels pinned Saban after the Angels' wings to win the match. Uh, the idea was that Joe was mad because Daniels scored the pin and he had set it up. However, it was pointed out uh, this was a team, so he should be happy the team won. Joe then turned on Daniels with a uh, running kick and a chair shot to the head. Daniels bled very graphically. Uh, fans were cheering Joe anyways through all of this massacre. He gave Daniels uh, another kick, muscle buster, and a second muscle buster, but this time on a chair. Even though Daniels was bleeding bad uh, and this was supposed to be a face turn, the crown chanted one more time. Styles came out to watch. Daniels ended up being taken out on a stretcher, and they showed him being put in an ambulance. Dave gave this match three. Three and three quarter stars. Pretty good stuff. Next up, Abyss pinned Sabu once again in 10 minutes, 46 seconds. It was, a, it was sloppy early. Sabu busted up his nose and was bleeding from it right away. The storyline they are playing is that Abyss is afraid of barbed wire. So in the beginning, Sabu came with a shirt looking like he was uh, covering barbed wire on his arm. Abyss ran away, but Sabu swerved him. And he had no barbed wire on his arm. Whoa! <laughs> he was a... Yeah, he teased us. Anyway. Why, um, wouldn't he, why wouldn't he have barbed wire? I don't know, actually, why he did that. I mean, I, I get on the impact, part of it, but... On impact, he did have barbed wire. And then on paper, he did right. not. Right, and his arm was all, like, cut up from it. Yeah. Um, Dave criticizes the fact here that they use thumbtacks more than once in this match. 
um, saying you don't need uh, more than one bump onto thumbtacks in a match. Everything more than that is an overkill. Um, he goes on to say, you know, Abyss, Abyss came off the middle ropes with a splash, but Sabu moved. Uh, so he got thumbtacks all over his arm while Sabu had them in his back. The finish was a black hole slam by Abyss onto a barbed wire chair for the pin. He gave the match one and a half stars. So, of course, Sabu got choke slammed into the tax. Abyss fell into the tax. So he's criticizing the fact that they use the tax more than once. And he basically is like, there's no need. It's their thumbtacks. It's a hardcore match. That's my opinion. That's, that's, I, that's such nitpicking. And I hate to say it. I think some thumbtacks are arguably the the least long-term uh, 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 injury sustaining weapon you can use. You just pull them out and you got a couple little boo-boos for a while. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's like a dot. Yeah, and they look wicked good. Yeah, they don't feel I good. Don't, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. They do not feel good, even coming out. However, it looks fantastic. How many and times the, do you th- how many times do you think Sabu's had to like stand or you know sit backstage and just wait for someone to pick out eighty thumbtacks from his back? Well, no matter how many times Sabu's done it, I guarantee you, I guarantee Biss has done it triple. That dude uses yeah. thumbtacks so much. I don't know, dude. It's kind of crazy to think about, though. And he's usually the one going through them. I don't know. Although he, I mean, he's wearing a shirt, so like, how many are really puncturing him? They go in his arm a lot, though. He's got arms, arm. yeah, forearms. Yeah, when you get him on the bare skin, though, like I think about Orton and McFoley at Backlash. Oh, ooh, ooh, that's nasty. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, next up, AJ Styles. Or, pin- I don't mean to cut you off, but <laughs> the Triple H pedigree on Foley at Royal Rumble. He goes oh. face first into the. Yeah, those are bad. It's bad. That's bad. That's bad. I don't like that. <laughs> no. No, thank you. That's um, AJ Styles pinned Petey Williams 18 minutes, 19 seconds to retain the X Division title. The first big spot was Styles doing a running flip dive that he overshot and ended up crashing his butt on the guardrail and that it looked like he could have easily broken his tailbone. He got right up from it because that's how it was laid out, I guess. Uh, then, then came the German suplex backwards off the apron spot where Styles' upper back hit the guardrail. That was the planned sell spot. Um, Samoa Joe was scouting the match. At one point, Styles was on the top rope and was about to do a finisher, but locked eyes on Joe, which gave Williams time to recover. The deal in Styles' promo was that even though he doesn't like Daniels, the X Division guys have a secret code, and Joe violated the code. Whoever heard of betraying a secret code in wrestling? Uh, Williams had Styles set up for a superplex, but Styles blocked it and turned it into a Styles clash off the middle rope for the pin. He gives this one three and three quarter stars. There's a code in the X division? Yeah, dude, it's a code. What the fuck is the code? Hey, don't be smashing people over the head with a chair, <laughs> asshole. Okay. I feel like it's supposed to be like the code of honor. Like it's that kind of thing. Like, uh, oh, my God. Like we respect okay. each other because we're in the X division. Yeah. Okay. And Joe broke I mean, it. I get, I get that, but it's not like you're shaking hands before every match or anything. I know. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It's not like they're like um, adopting that. I wouldn't have been surprised yeah. if they did, but whatever. And Bob, finally, the main event. Rhino, Team 3D. They defeated Jeff Jarrett and America's Most Wanted in 15 minutes, 44 seconds. 
Dave says, I give these guys all the credit in the world because the crowd was super hot. It was an 80s-style Memphis brawl, which Jarrett grew up watching. That means fast pace and a lot of movement and lots of fighting in the stands, use of weapons, but still using psychology. In this case, the whole match built to teases, but non-delivery of a table-breaking that actually didn't even happen until the post-match. Team 3D slammed Jarrett off the top and finally pinned Storm after a 3D. Uh, In the post-match, Jarrett hit Rhino with a guitar. Team 3D went to put Jarrett through a table, but Gal Kim tried to uh, give Brother Ray a low blow. He blocked it. They teased putting both Jarrett and Kim through a table when Team Canada showed up. They did a beatdown, putting Ray on the table. Jarrett went to the top when Christian's music played. Everyone stopped. He was wearing a Team Canada shirt, and all the heels celebrated. But he turned them. (laughs) Team 3D then recovered and cleaned house, ending with a triple Team 3D on Jarrett through a table. The crowd was chanting for Guerrero as this ended. He gives this match four stars. He gave that a higher rating than the elimination match? Yeah. Wow. I want that's gotta be for like even the aftermath, I'm assuming. I'm assuming including all of that, yeah. Um, no, I that main event was really good and he described that perfectly about how the Memphis style and all that stuff. Like when you, you get a good Memphis main event like that, it it can be a killer. But when you get something similar to that and it's just like boring as shit, mm-hmm. it's like I don't want to watch these guys just punch each other for twenty five minutes. But they they did a they did a great job with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I enjoyed it. I actually think it was a that's like one of those main events where you're like, mm, I kind of wish it was a title match or something. Uh, but then you watch it and you're like, Nah, they did that pretty damn good. Like, no, it was, was good. It was really good. Yeah. Um, and Bob, that is all I got before we head into the November nineteenth, two thousand five edition of Impact. And I do have a couple more notes, including some updates from former. TNA talent that I think you're going to be very interested to hear. Um, Yeah. Um, Including a couple other interview notes and all that kind of stuff. But that's our Genesis breakdown and our our little Chris Jericho interview thrown in there, which I'm glad we threw in where we did. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I know. That's that's really good. That's uh, good information from uh, Mr. Jericho. Although, uh, unfortunately... Jericho doesn't ever arrive in the impact zone. Would have been cool, but whatever. Uh, all right. Well, it's time then, right? Let's get into the mm-hmm. November 19th, 2005 edition of Impact, the fallout of Genesis. Uh, our approximate runtime is 41 minutes and 48 seconds. I'm going to count down from three, and when I say play, that's when we're going to watch along. If you want to watch along with us, head over to Impact Plus or find it in your own personal collection. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. Now, you just mentioned uh, Matt Bentley. Yeah. Um, I was watching Sunday Night Heat from 2002. Oh, shit. Reviewing. And now we had mentioned this, I think, a long time ago. As we just get a highlight package here from Genesis of Christian Cage, uh, right? Um, but he, you know, had a tryout. And and you December, just watched it. I just watched it. It was him and Scoot Andrews against Spike Dudley and Tommy Dreamer. And let me tell you, Dallas, it was not a bad match. And they actually had a show storyline. What? For the match, 
Yeah. What? Yeah. So like Matt, so Michael Shane and and um, Scoot Andrews are like asking Spike like, hey, what advice do you give us to get a job here? It's our tryout, or whatever. And Spike does the whole like, you know, you got to be um, not you know you know respectful, blah blah, work hard, you'll be fine. They're like, oh, okay, great. Then Spike leaves. They talk shit. They're like, yeah, what does he know? He's like a little guy. Tommy Dreamer's like, what? Is he? He's my, my best friend. <laughs> so then he's like, we're going to teach you a lesson of respect tonight. And I'll tell you, the match was probably six or seven minutes long. Whoa. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. And then I'm surprised neither one of them got a job. I'm impressed. Yeah. So I figured uh, you would enjoy that little tidbit. I did. Uh, we're going into our normal intro now. And, Bob, as we're doing this here, I want to let you know, we did have a dark match that does not take place on Explosion during this taping. It opened up the taping, and it's going to maybe surprise you a little bit here. Chris Sabin defeated Shannon Moore, a name we've been hearing rumored yeah. to be coming in. It sounds like a potential finally uh, got a tryout, maybe? Shit. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. Jeff Jarrett's always liked Shannon Moore. And on his right. podcast, he, he talks about Shannon Moore a lot. Um, also, we, of course, had um, explosion tapings. There was one match that aired on November 25th, 2005, where Matt Bentley and Sharkboy teamed up with Tracy Ringside to defeat the Beast of Burden, Helvis and Sin. And yes, it's the same Sin you're thinking about. Oh, it is. Oh, wow. Okay. Is that still got blood on it? Yes, it does. Oh, so he is coming out with this bloodied towel. Little trophy. That's kind of gross. Uh, yeah. It's... Oh, they're showing the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, yep, they're, they're showing, showing the it again. Here, and they showed it pretty heavily in the... Um, Highlight package in the beginning, and now we're seeing it again. Huh. Uh, let's see here. I do have a couple of indie notes here for Samoa Joe. He was actually busy on the weekend, the day before Genesis. Uh, back on November 4th, Christopher Daniels defeated Adam Pierce, Jimmy Jacobs, and Samoa Joe in a four corner survival at Ring of Honor Showdown in the Motown. On the 5th, Samoa Joe defeated Christopher Daniels. And then on the 12th, the day before uh, Genesis, uh, Jarrell Clark, Roderick Strong, Sal Renaro, Sean Waldman, and Tony Mamaluke defeated the DPS of Adam Pierre in 44 seconds. Bob, the team they defeated, you got cut out a little bit. I only heard Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce, Austin Aries. Brian Danielson, Jimmy Rave, and Samoa Joe. That's insane. <laughs> I, the only reason that that team won was Sean Waldman. I mean, yeah. It's got to be. Uh, by the way, on Impact here, Samoa Joe is beating the crap out of Jarrell Clark. Yeah, I'm expecting a Jarrell Clark, uh, Clark tweet about how, how that hurt. Yeah, and how I brought back bad memories about the pounce. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> That's Dallas's fault. It is. He's wearing that bloody towel around. Now, I believe, Bob, when we covered Genesis last, I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I did not watch Bound for Glory 2023 at that time. 
when Mike Tanay and Don West got inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame, or sorry, Impact Hall of Fame. But we should talk about that too, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, it was a really good speech Mike Tanay did. It's a, it's a shame that Don West was unable to be there to uh, accept the award. Yeah, that sucks. But, uh, but did, did we talk about TNA being back yet or no? I think I mentioned it on Genesis. Okay, if we talked about it already, I won't harp on it, but I'm getting more hype as we're getting closer. Is Samoa Joe hits a muscle buster on Jarrell Clark, and here comes the Coquina Clutch. I feel like he should just win matches with the buster and not do this choke. I don't know if you have to follow it up with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really understanding that. Um, I The TNA thing, like they're back to being TNA here and starting 2024. I mean, I get it. But TNA became like a joke. Um, I think that they just never can Hello, escape it, so well, might as TNA. well. I know, dude. I haven't called it TNA in years. I've called it Impact Wrestling. I finally got good at calling it Impact, and now I gotta call yeah. It See, but I have friends who call it TNA. Oh wait, AJ Styles has appeared on the Tron. What you think you're the X Division? It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits. Oh wait. The code of respect. So Dave might have been dipping in a little bit of the notes from this show when we read that. He's saying that Samoa Joe stepped over the line with the X Division. And he stepped on each and every one of the fans since they supported him. Okay, so he... Oh. He's on the big screen saying, don't turn your back on me. That's pretty funny. You're not even in the arena. <laughs> <laughs> Backstage, yeah, don't turn around. <laughs> this is weird because normally they don't do this, really. No. Like, no. This might be one of the first times that someone's talking f- from the Tron to someone. He would probably, like, normally he'd be on the ramp. Correct. That's funny, though. You're on the big screen and, like, if Dallas, if you were yelling at me through a, a base screen and told me don't turn your back on me, I would just walk away and be like, dude, you're yeah. not even near me. Like, I'll do what I want. Still to come, Christian Cage live, Rhino versus Abyss. And up next, huh. America's Most Wanted is going to be in action. Rhino and Abyss. Yeah, interesting. Um, as we are getting ready for our next match, Bob, um, I have a, a Sid Vicious interview. <laughs> Did? Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. He said that he. The guy, my favorite, <laughs> I'll say this every time, my favorite Sid Vicious story or Sid Justice story is when he was on Sean Mooney's podcast talking about like WrestleMania 8. And he goes, I didn't even know it was WrestleMania until I went out. <laughs> and I just saw all the WrestleMania. And he's That's like, gotta be bullshit, like, dude. I just thought it was like another show, but I was like, oh, dude. Oh, it's WrestleMania. I'm like, what the fuck? How do you not know you're in Indiana where the show's taking place? The Hoosier guy, what are you talking about? It's Hulk Hogan. Well, I hate to disappoint you, but um, Sid said he wasn't going to TNA because A, they haven't offered him anything yet, and B, (laughs) um, that just wasn't the sort of thing he'd be interested in because it was too far below what he felt that he should be. Um, if If he wasn't working for Vince McMahon, he said that he wasn't working anywhere. 
Which is saying a lot since he worked for WWE recently, but. You know, he didn't wrestle. Well, no. My favorite but... part is they didn't offer him anything yet. That's why he's not coming. So, Here come Jeff Jarrett. He... Um, Don West and Mike Tenay were talking about Cheering Point. And Jared's now out here asking, who is my opponent at Turning Point? And Tanae says, I don't know. Oh, he talked to Larry Zabisco from the championship committee. Okay, he's going to be in a conference call with TNA management. And he's going to find out who Jared's fighting at Turning Point. Which is weird because guess what, Bob? Monty Brown... Won a number one contenders match. Right. What is there to, to have a conference call about? What's the, the what's the debate here? He literally won a number one contenders match at Genesis. Just Jarrett is the queen of the mountain. Hey. Uh this the sick thing, I'm still kind of flabbergasted because <laughs> there there's a time where he works for, he works a, a match at least one for a company called Pro Wrestling Unplugged. Which is based out of Philadelphia, had shows at the ECW arena, and it was owned by like Johnny Cashmere and Todd Gordon. And he wrestled, he wrestled two cold Scorpio. That's insane. Um, I hate so this he'll game. do th- he would do that, but not in the or uh, TNA. No, he's mad because they didn't offer him anything yet, dude. Here comes Harris and James Storm. They just had a really weird camera angle to like, I didn't like that camera angle either. You could barely see him. Anyways, they fixed it, and now we're going to the ring. Um, I don't think, I don't think I would try to get Sid in TNA. And I'm a Why Sid would guy. You? I don't think he. I think he's the definition of like this does not fit. No, yeah. Like Kevin Ash doesn't fit, but Sid definitely does not fit. Speaking of people who don't quite fit here anymore, yeah. Apollo and Sonny Siaki are coming out to face America's Most Wanted. They don't even look like they're a tag team anymore. No, this is weird. Well, okay, now I want to point oh, out. Yeah. I want to point something out here. First off, Siaki is not wearing his, like, rock gear, but Apollo yeah. has a bandana on his head as if he was, I don't know, potentially going to team up with Conan like they showed a few weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. I don't know, like, maybe another person that we're going to see that we've heard rumors about named Homicide? I don't know. Irish whip yeah. by uh, oh, is it to yeah. James Storm double hip toss? And he did to both of them. Oh, arm drag, sorry. That's a Japanese arm drag, and according to the video games, yeah, that's a hip toss. Also, does Sunny Saki like have hair not long ago? Because he looks really weird. He's bald. Yeah, he's freaking bald. I don't know how I feel about Sunny Saki bald. I don't know, but do we're like going a, to commercial break. Hair, man. Well, and I thought he had a shaved like, head recently. Yeah, it's dude, those a, tights are weird. Trunks are all weird. What is happening? What is happening on this episode, Impact? He's no longer like Kaki Siaki. He's just no, no. Kaki Siaki's gone. Oh, during the commercial break, Tanay got word. Hold on. Oh, Jared's pitching a fit in the office area, Larry Zabisco. Okay, well, you know what? If they're ignoring Monty Brown, dude, that's that's the number one contender. Are they gonna? Are they just going for Christian right off the bat? No, there's no way. 
I mean, they're just ignoring him. They're chanting pussycat at uh, Chris Harris. The the commentary is very difficult to hear on this show right now. I don't know if it's uh, you're noticing that, but the crowd noise is like very loud. It's like they turned the crowd up and Mike and Don down. Like it's very difficult yeah. to hear them right now. Yeah. Because so normally yeah. I try to pay attention to what they're saying more, but I can't really hear them. Swing neckbreaker by Siaki on James Storm. That pop up Samoan drop on Chris Harris goes for the cover. And nope, James Storm broke it up. Ooh, Apollo. He's even keeping the bandana on. I know. It's like he's trying to be like, hey, I'm 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 a thug now. In the Latin superstar group or whatever they're calling it, with Shocker and Conan, guys. No one else. Apollo gonna turn on Siaki today. Holy shit, look at that super kick onto Harris and then a backstabber by Siaki goes for the cover. Oh Apollo's gonna turn on him. Anytime a guy has sudden oh yeah. Any oh Oh, shit. Oh he just hit him with a bottle. Oh my god. Okay, so Apollo did went for a uh, like a slingshot crossbody, and yeah, he did. He smashed a beer bottle right over his head. That's why he has a bandana on, Bob. Protect himself. I'm Holy sorry. shit. <laughs> We're thinking he's turning heel. Oh, did he? Did Harris I feel just like use the handcuffs? Harris just did. used the handcuffs and punched Siaki in the face. And that's why and that's why Siaki's bald, so that the blade job looks better. From the handcuffs. This is all making job. sense now. We're going for the yeah. death sentence. And boom. That was very lackadaisical. <laughs> just plopped him down. Yeah, yeah that wasn't as... Uh, I mean, he was kind of already flopped over so there it is they got the win America's most wanted okay but the Apollo thing anytime and I can't even think of I've seen it before but like a guy suddenly looks way different uh and then that same that same episode they freaking turn and it's like oh that explains why you know he's not wearing the same colors as a partner um America's most wanted has grabbed a table from under the ring and if you guys remember correctly they are kind of feuding with I don't know the team that's synonymous with tables team 3D right. And Apollo's going to get up the guys I'll take care of it. Oh, they've spray paint. Oh. Yellow spray him. paint. Yellow, that's very important to him. Wait. Okay. I'm going to say something else dumb now. Are you ready? Yeah. He's throw, spray painting three, of course, to be 3D. Um, Siaki is about to get yellow paint all over those tights, and that's why he's wearing old, t- weird tights. Because uh, they're about to get fucking stained with spray paint. And that's why he's bald, so he doesn't get any in his hair. Okay, the bald thing is not. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Going for the death sentence, but here come the Dudleys. Or, sorry, Team 3D. The Deadly Boys. The Deadly Boys. AMW has made a deadly mistake. I actually, I didn't know when we were going to see them, or if at all, on the show. I have two interview notes about these guys as they just chased AMW away. Uh, Devon did an interview on Barbaric Wrestling. Uh, he said he was going, he said, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Brother Ray's about to talk. Brother Ray just told you to shut up. You don't know the first thing uh, about using a table. Great tables match. 
I got some news for you. Good news for us. Very bad news for you. MW, of course, are kind of running away here. Oh, they just got done talking to Larry Zabisco. Mm. Mike Tenet goes, he's been busy. <laughs> For the first time ever, at turning point, AMW, Team 3D. Oh, it's not a wrestling match. You know what kind of match it is. Tell them. It's a, it's a, it's a chairs match. Oh, a tables match. Wait, is it for the titles, though? They did not say that. Wait, they're giving him a present. They're folding up the table. This thing went terribly wrong. Holy shit, they just chucked the table toward America's Most Wanted on the ramp. Okay, so now tables, that's our first match announced. I mean, we know Jarrett's defending, but we don't know against who. So we have AMW against Team 3D in a tables match. We don't know if it's for the titles. Correct. Look at the championship committee Larry Zabisco signed on the door as Shane Douglas is here with Jarrett and Gail Kim. What if it's Nash? Oh, shit. You might be on to something with that. Could be, could be Nash. So Jarrett says he's been in there all night, which is funny because the, the sorry Team 3D literally just said we just talked to Larry Zabisco. So it's, he missed them. Could be on the phone. Could be on the phone. Could, could have been. Gal Kim just doesn't trust him at all. Is she on the phone right now? Yeah. All right, still to come. Christian Cage live. Let me get these interview notes out of the way. Uh, Devon said that he was through Bash Johnny Ace. And he really wanted to thank him for allowing Team 3D to go to Japan and TNA and make a hell of a lot more than they were offered to re-sign with WWE. Uh, He said that the first TNA primetime special didn't have enough promotion to break the 1.0 barrier, but the next one would for sure. He said uh, they'd soon be working more hardcore matches in TNA and the flaming tables were on the way. Uh, I think we're kind of figured out where that's happening. Have Uh, have we not broke? at one point even just outside of prime time i don't know if we have yet i can't remember um and then brother ray did an interview with alex marvez bob's favorite on wrestlingobserver.com this past week he put over tna saying they were using the team better than wwe did over the past two years and really the only other thing he said of any importance to us is that he said that they wanted to win the NWA tag team titles and the All Japan tag team titles and defend All Japan and TNA and TNA and All Japan just because it's something that hasn't been done. Um, And during this whole time, we have a three-life crew Kip James highlight package, so you guys have not missed anything. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of... TNA's used us better than WWE has in two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, who's who's all whose fault is that? The Dolly Boys got so stale in WWE. They were stale by they got there in the late '99. So they were stale by the end of like 2001. <laughs> so you got about two years 
right? Two years of like, hey, this is the Dudley Boys. And they, you know, go singles. Bubba had maybe some steam. Devon, whatever. And then they but put them back together. And then they were just the Dudley Boys. They never, they never evolved. Right. Wait, huge announcement. Wait, Ron Killings looks pissed that B that BG told Shane Douglas about the future of Three Life Crew here. He's gonna have this announcement is about change. That's what I just said if, about the Dudley Boys. If Three Life Crew doesn't change, they'll get stagnant and die. Oh, just like how the did he just tell BG James to go back to rehab? Uh, the decision he's made is for the oh, best for all He's going to bail. I think he is. Or, or is he bringing him in against the wishes of his partners? Oh, oh my God, dude. It's no. going to be four life crew. Four life crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, no. Wait, that's what it is because they're teasing a breakup, but it's really gonna be he's bringing him in. He's gonna bring him in. Yep, I I like that. <laughs> oh no! So I've decided, like, fuck you guys. He's in. Uh, here's our new T-shirt for Life Crew. <laughs> oh, well, here comes Abyss. As Abyss comes to the ring, I want to let you know, Bob, that the TNA Impact episode before Genesis on November 12th drew its lowest ratings and starting on Spike with a 0.7. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good news. That's not good. Not breaking a one at that rate. No. Um, and here comes Abyss with Father James Mitchell wearing red, as he should. Um, all right. I have Indy Note here for Rhino. Back on November 5th, he was involved in a Battlefield Battle Royal, which he lost. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys in here. That same day, um, same show, same company, GSW, Joey Legend defeated Rhino in 17 oh. minutes and 48 seconds. And then on uh, November 12th, the, the night before Genesis, Rhino defeated Frankie Kazarian. Wow. And here's Rhino running down the ring. Um, I have some more fun notes I can give you here as they're finishing up their entrance here. Um, we, I gotta see if Abyss has. Oh, Abyss has some stuff here. Okay, do you do that then first? Yeah. It's not right. uh, Abyss working for some Ring of Honor, November fourth showdown in the Motown. Abyss teamed up with Jimmy Raven, a losing effort against AJ Styles and Matt Seidel. November 5th, the Embassy, which was Abyss, Alex Shelley, Jimmy Rave, and Prince Nana, defeated AJ Styles and Generation X, which was Austin Aries, Jack Evans, and Matt Seidel, in a warfare match at Ring of Honor's Vendetta. And then lastly, uh, November 12th, in Lawrence, Kansas, for NBA Central States, Into the Abyss show, Mark Sterling what? Uh, fought Abyss to a double pin to retain the NBA Kansas Heavyweight Championship match and anything goes match. And if you're wondering if it's the same Sterling, no. It's not. Um, oh, holy sh... We're missing a major announcement right now. Barbed wire wrapped around the ropes in the ring, 
Sabu Abyss at Turning Point, December 11th. It cannot be avoided. Are the barbed wires around the ropes? Well, it's all around the ropes. I missed most of the announcement. I cannot confirm or deny. There better be no ropes. Rhino Irish getting an Irish whip, kicks Abyss, comes back, counters the hip hip toss, slams Abyss down. Um, Speaking of uh, pay-per-views here, we are about to uh, see Turning Point here, December 11th, but, oh, Rhino with a crossbody taking out Abyss on the floor. Uh, The first two pay-per-view dates of 2006 are official. Uh, January 15th, which will be the second final resolution, and February 12th, the second Against All Odds event, and they are booked in Orlando. I know you're probably wondering why I said that. Well... There apparently is nothing to the uh, thought and rumors about running a show at the ECW Arena in February. Right now, there are no plans to run anywhere except Orlando. Uh, Some people are pushing for the idea of perhaps doing a test house shows next year, but nobody seemed to believe in uh, regular touring. Some are pushing to move at least one or two pay-per-views out of Orlando, but right now there are no definitive plans, and others believe that they should stick to the current formula of running only Orlando. Uh, Father James Mizzle teased using his cane, and then he fell down holding his ankle, acting as if he hurt. <clears throat> but that's just a show. Oh, and now this Rams Rhino groin first into the ring post. Now, I will tell you, um, they kind of changed that plan, I feel like, because they do run some, like, house shows right. with Hermie. It's I'm not sure we will develop it. Yeah, it's not just strictly TNA. It's UWF TNA or whatever, but it's primarily TNA talent on there. And I think that's the test run. Right. Live events. Rhino is down on the ground now as Abyss is beating down on him. I can give you a few more quick ones here as this match is continuing, because I know we're doing that Christian promo. We won't be really talking too much, but um, apparently Dory Funk had a meeting with Dixie Carter at the Genesis pay-per-view. I don't know why, but he did. Um, And this is interesting. Among those who have started at OVW, guess what? The former TNA valet, Trinity, has officially started there. Along with huh. the bro- the older brother of uh, Rene Dupree, Jeff. <laughs> um, but wow. that's not all. That's not all. Is because, wait is she is she signed to WWE? She must be because oh well his OVW would would use people not in dev, in developmental because it was his own thing. Oh okay. Well, I don't know. I guess like not. I because I remember like Chris Candido and Tracy Smothers. They would do shots down there, but they were not signed to WWE Developmental. You just reminded me I need to finish watching uh, Wrestlers on Netflix. Well, that's a good that's a good show. I need to finish <laughs> watching that. It's actually made me watch some of it on YouTube. I think that's kind of the point. That. Yeah, but I initially said I wasn't going to do it, and now yeah, I okay, it. yeah, I'll, okay. I'll put it on his back. Gore, um, well, kind of. In the corner. He but, did shoulder block. Shoulder block. That, sh- that show came out in like September as Rhino now runs into a big boot. And, and on the show, their TV show, they are still like, check out the trailer 
for rustlers on Netflix. And it's like, dude, we're going on two or three months of it being out. Yeah. And they do it a couple of times each show. I was like, oh my fucking God. At some point, you gotta stop. Well, yeah. Um, but speaking Play of OVW, there's one more who's going to OVW. Oh. Uh, yeah. And that's Ryan Wilson. And if you remember him as Triton. What? what? He debuted over the weekend for OVW as Titus, which is another name he used in TNA that's in dark matches. Yeah. So he's there now oh, as well. Oh, shit. Okay, so he's got to be signed to WWE. There's, I don't think Cornette... Or wait, Cornette's not even there anymore in OVW. He left. By now, by late 05. Oh, Paul Rhino's getting a there. table. Oh, wow. Rhino is oh, putting shit. a table in the ring. I just remember... So Ryan Wilson is down there, Triton. I have like all the OVWs from '99 through 2007, so I could potentially watch Triton in OVW. Titus. Well, he's Triton to me. I know. <laughs> okay, the table is set up in the corner as Rhino hits Abyss's face against the turnbuckle. This match has been very okay for me. I mean, yeah. Uh, Meltzer's just going to say that they. Overused a table on the show. Two segments back, <laughs> you're teasing table spots. I don't know. Abyss calling for a choke slam. Is a is Abyss's hair short? It's something's up with it. Or is it just he looks like weird? Crumpled. I think it's just like. A mess in like put in the mat. Is it like in the mask weird? Is that what's happening? Yeah, I think, I think it, it is. is yeah. Goes for the gore, oh. potentially goes through the table though. Dang. <laughs> the, you like, crowded, no one does anything. Yeah. <laughs> Rhino's oh. hurt. Yeah, dude. It's sick. Rhino kicked out. Oh, we're at 31 minutes, 10 seconds, by the way, if you're following along. Yeah, it looks like the hair is, like, caught in the mask yeah. somehow. Oh, oh shock treatment. Lights out, oh. lights out. Shannon Moore. What? <laughs> Get out of here. You know who it is. It's Sabu. Oh. Barbara Chair. Oh, I know what this is. Or no. No, I don't. Gore, gore. One, two. Okay, the bar, yeah, the wire chair distracted Abyss enough for Rhino to get the win. This should be a DQ. Sabu's got that nose all taped up. It was busted. Morphoplex. I can what? barely keep my pants on. <laughs> I lost five pounds. Fifteen pounds or whatever it was. Oh, we're backstage in Larry Zabisco's office. I thought we had a deal. Who's the girl? Is that Gail? Yeah, that's Gail. Oh, it doesn't look anything like it. December 11th, turning point. What the fuck? Okay, he's defending against Rhino. 
That's the grand reveal? He's going to fight Rhino in the rubber match? What? Well, what about Raven? He never got his rematch. He's been waiting for five months. I do hate Raven, but fair is fair. What about Monty Brown? So he's scared of Rhino, is what's happening. They get a four-way. Ooh. That'd be nice, actually. Why not? Why? If I was Sabisco, they go, fine, I have them all then. Oh, I know one thing for sure. You're not running this place, and TNA management is, and I'm sick of it. And he walks away. But here's the thing. Isn't Sabisco TNA management? Part of it. <laughs> um, Bob, Christian Cage is up next, and I'm going to give you my final two notes before he makes his way to the ring. First off, Christian attempted to trademark the name Christian Cage um, on November 2nd. Of course, he first used this in 95, working indies through the U.S. and Canada, which predates by several years WWE naming him Christian. He also attempted to trademark the nickname Captain Charisma. So we'll see oh. as that keeps going. And here is a nice little entrance. Captain Charisma jacket. Got the flashing lights. I like it. And then my final note for you tonight, Bob. Jeremy Bornish and Scott Demore met with Bret Hart on November 6th in New York. They talked about him coming in for TV, and Hart mentioned many times about being interested. But the general feeling is nothing is happening anytime soon. For him to do what? Talk? <laughs> be, an, be an authority figure? Like, okay. To talk? <laughs> that wait, He can't do anything. He can't wrestle. Who cares? Um, yeah, could I you, guess it's Can you talk. imagine that? Can you imagine that announcement? <laughs> Mike Tenay is going to sit there like this is the biggest thing ever. Guys, we got what a signing. We got Bret Hart. And boy, you give him a microphone, and who knows what's going to come out of his mouth. That's it. <laughs> that and was and Bret will come out, and he'll be like, fuck Vince. Fuck all these people. Blah, blah, blah. And the main event of Against All Odds. Okay, Christian is talking. No. <laughs> is going to be. Jeff Jarrett defending against Monty Brown. Blah, 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 blah. So he's talking about his the things he said at Genesis. In case you live under a rock and didn't hear uh, what he said at the pay-per-view. He said he didn't come to TNA because I got fired. He quit, didn't he? Yes. Well, his contract, it never got renewed. I mean, he just let it. Expired. Yeah. So essentially, yes, he quit. Yeah. This is the place to be, he says. I came to TNA to get the damn respect that I deserve. He, is he going to get beat up? Do you leave him? Right, maybe not. I don't think you'll leave Christian Wayne on his first TV appearance. That probably wouldn't be good. That guy's wearing an FIP shirt. Wow. All right. <laughs> We're letting that we're letting the indie fans in there. Well, that's just how I roll. Oh, he's, oh, he's crying. He's crying. Oh, I don't, I don't really, really care. care. All right, tough guy. Oh, 
Because that's how I roll. And the crowd did say it with him a little bit, but... The number one contender. The alpha male. You can hit the brakes on that garbage. He says you're not up north rolling anymore. You're not up north anymore. Christian Cage. Welcome to the Serengeti. The quantity of speech is not always indicative of the quality of thought. I hear you running out your out here running your mouth a lot, but you haven't said anything and you're not doing anything. I think we might be seeing a uh, potential turning point match right here, Bob. That's Yeah, that's probably what's going on. I was thinking it was going to be him and Bobby Roode, but that might be an impact. Yeah. Talking about wearing white after Labor Day, which he is. Bobby Roode is probably not uh, a pay-per-view quality opponent yet. Fair. But the, the, he's not the draw in that match. It's Christian Cage. Well, yeah. Bob the Builder oh boots. God. They do. 2005 is when Bob the Builder. Bob the Builder insults. 2005. Okay. I mean, Christian is not dressed very nice right here. No, and when he but he, he reminds me of like, like the the skater kid in high school, but he doesn't yep. skate. He the fact that he took his jacket off that one is a shiny, nice wrestling entrance gear jacket, and like says his name on the back, and he's just got this generic T-shirt on. is kind of funny. He's dressed up like the kid in high school that you know watches Adult Swim at me. Night every day, <laughs> like you know, he's watching adults. My god, the alpha male lays down for no man. He has a punchable face, I'll give him that too. Christian, oh, he'll take uh, Christian Kane to uh, make him feel the the crowd popped for that because he, he didn't let him say the pounce. Because he interrupted the pounce. I like how animated Monty Brown was about to get and he was like oh. Yeah. I know you like to hurl your big body across the ring and pounce on men. That's what Christian just said. <laughs> hey, whatever you do in your spare time, I'm not here to judge. That's your deal. Oh, boy. Oh, Monty, you might be a little afraid that you're losing your spot. Losing you a spot that they won't be. even acknowledge on the show. Like, he's the number one contender. Know, and they're just like, nah, it's a rhino.
I'm su- Oh, Christian says he should go find someone else to pounce. Period. Period. Yeah, I'm going to get in your face. Oh. No way. Is Molly Brown punching Christian Cage here? Is he, he's not going to leave him laying. I would be I shocked. Know, if I don't Monty know, dude. We are, we are very low on time here. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Christian ducked the punch. Damn it. I don't want more people coming in. I want this to stay one-on-one right now. I don't think anybody else is running. If they're smart, Monty should hit the pound. Oh, oh. Oh, oh yeah, let's go. Oh, let's go. Shit. Awesome. Okay. I like it. I care. didn't think they would do it, but that's good. That is good. That's good. People are tuning in for Christian Cage. Oh. Monty this Brown, who people might not know. Yeah. See, I like this. All right. Good. Good. Just, that's how I roll. That he just rolled good. the dice on him at the end. That was that, awesome. That was good. I really like that. That's good. That's just good. That's good booking. That's good booking. All right. Good show. Yeah, I think it was good. The Abyss Rhino match was, like, fine, but that's besides that, I enjoyed the show. Anytime Abyss and Rhino have to wrestle, that's not a hardcore. You're basically just waiting for it to end. Well, they did bring a table in that for us, so. Yeah, I know. Other than that. I know. Well, that being said, we're back on our um, thumbs-up streak uh, by one show. Oh, the lead into Genesis, we didn't like it? No, you didn't like it. (laughs) I said thumbs in the middle, so it by default is uh, was down. But anyways, we're back on track here as we march toward final resolution. We know Abyss and Sabu will be facing off in some kind of barbed wire match. Turning point. Turning Turning point. Turning point. My bad. Turning point. And we know Jarrett is apparently fighting Rhino again. Yeah. And then... uh... Yeah, so you said this Sabu in a barbed wire match. They said around the ropes. They I said this ha- can't escape it is basically the whole deal. Yeah, I'm hoping it's no ropes. Because a, just a no rope barbed wire match, that's that's good stuff. Uh, yeah, Jarrett Rhino. And then, oh, Tables with uh, oh, AEW yes. and 3D. That was the third one and they didn't really elaborate too much on that one which makes it almost even more interesting right so like we don't know if it's for the titles or not and then i'm assuming that aj and joe i mean that seems to be what we're heading toward right yeah and then christian cage and monty brown that's a fucking loaded card yeah that sounds good to me if that gets official yeah that sounds pretty good to me i'm not going to complain about that I'm not complaining about that either. Assuming and I'm hoping, like I'm assuming next, next week, we're going to hear this big announcement by BG James about Three Life Crew. If this motherfucker <laughs> and is like, he's going to come out and he's going to act like as if, you know what, I know. we go separate ways. But I was like, nope. Bring family in. There's enough love for everybody. It's the four. Live crew and at that point Conan will get a handgun out of his pocket and probably just shoot <laughs> and just say fuck this no one listens to me I've now had to commit a crime 
He's going to be pissed regardless. Oh, he'll be pissed. Yeah. And I'm here for it. They've been building this up for eight or nine months. Where Conan is saying, Conan is saying every week, I don't like him. I do not trust him. Stop even trying to do it. And then BG James is like, but, you know, yeah, okay. When he first got here, he was like beating me up. And yeah, he's like using Kip James to like taunt me and my dad, like the James name. But like, he's a good guy. He's been the most patient friend I could think of. And then Rod is just like, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> he says, no, Rod Killings is like, no one, no one's telling me anything. And he's pissed about that because you don't know nothing. Yeah. I love it. What a great story, though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild. <laughs> oh, man. It's good shit. Um, all right. Well, Dallas, we've uh, we enjoyed this fallout uh, coming out of Genesis. And as we've stated, you know, we just listed like five matches that could potentially be happening mm-hmm. at turning point. And let me tell you, if they are officially announced, um, I'm looking forward. I'll be looking forward to that without without yeah. a doubt. So hopefully that does. Uh, all that end up, ends up happening. But what needs to happen is that we need to continue on. And next week, we're back with the November 26th edition of Impact. And uh, I don't have a tease. Is Christian Cage still going to be in the company? Did uh, Monty Brown pounce? <laughs> pounce him out of the company. Is he still going to be in the company? <laughs> I don't know, dude, but when we're talking November 26th. I'm just thinking about freaking Thanksgiving. So. Yeah, but is that. Is that the same week? I mean, technically, that episode comes out after Thanksgiving this year, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be around. Depends on. Yeah. All right. Well. Be thankful that we'll be back next week for the November 26th edition of Impact. Until then, for Dallas Goodley, I am Bobby Conley Jr., and this has been the TNA Across the Line podcast.